uh, in some ways we're ending uh, our series uh, very much uh, where we began. Uh, Jesus is there, right? He's there, he's here. Uh, a bunch of his disciples are too. And he is talking to them. Um, maybe as casually as you and I might talk um, over lunch, over coffee, um, or even right now. And he's telling them stories. You know, all semester long, we've been looking at and, and listening to the stories that Jesus told. Jesus told so many stories, right? And he told us the story that we've looked at and listened to because he wants to engage with us, right? He wants to hold uh, and grab our attention. Stories have the ability, don't they, to sort of arrest us, kind of stop us in our tracks, and we, we tune in. You know, we might not listen to a whole lot of things, but when we hear once upon a time, in some ways we're hooked, right? There's magic in that phrase, or just the promise uh, of a good story. You know, even in our super busy, super noisy world, stories have the ability um, to cut through the noise and to get past the distraction. Jesus told stories because he wanted us, and he wants us still, right, uh, to engage with him. He wants to get our attention. But that's not all, right? Jesus told stories because he wants to engage with us, but also because he wants to explain some things to us. Who God is and what his kingdom is like. And who we are uh, and how we can be a part of his inbreaking kingdom. We started our series, if you recall, um, with a story about a good world gone bad. It was a story about a contaminated field. A sower had gone out and he sowed good seed in his field. But in the cover of night, an enemy came and he sowed weeds among the wheat. Later on, some workers discovered the weeds amongst the wheat and they went to their boss and said, hey, didn't you sow uh, good seed in your field? He's like, yeah. He's like, well, why does it have weeds in it? And he explained to them, and he explains to us, an enemy has done this. Right? The devil has done this. Not everything that you see uh, in this world is God's fault. Right? The world has been polluted. Right? It is broken. It's not the way it's supposed to be. Fortunately, Right, that story was not the end of the story. Right, it's not the end uh, of our series. We might have started there, but we're not finishing there. And the reason why we're not finishing there is because Jesus told many more stories. Right, the first story was about a bad sower. The next story that we heard, right, was a story about a good sower, a sower who works in the midst of a contaminated field. He is sowing seed amongst rocks and thorns and briars, but on rich soil too, right? All over the place. Because he wants everyone, everywhere, to hear the good news. Jesus explains this to us. He introduces us to a good sower. He also, if you recall, right, introduced us to a good shepherd. A shepherd who is calling out to his loved ones and looking for the lost. 
a shepherd who's willing to die in order to restore and restore lost ones uh, to his fold. Jesus introduced us to a good father who's longing to be reconciled with his sons. Who scans the horizon for just the slightest indication that his son might be coming home, right? Who goes out to find him there and then who later leaves his home to find the other son, right? Who didn't run away, but who stormed out because the other one had come back in, right? A father who leaves his home to find his loved ones on the outside with the intention, right, of bringing them back in. Come, feast with me. I want you here with me. Jesus painted for us this semester a vivid portrait of who God is and what he is like, as well as who we are uh, and what we are like. Not only did Jesus tell stories explaining what it's like to be lost, uh, he talked about what it means to be found and what it means to be brought in, what it means to go home, you know, what it means to be reconciled to God uh, and to be adopted into his family. To enter his kingdom, right? But then to live as royalty, right? As sons and daughters of the great king. Jesus explained this all to us, didn't he? In the story of the Pharisee and the tax collector, Jesus explained that the doorway into God's home, right? Entrance into his kingdom is through a door labeled humility. Those who enter into the kingdom are not the perfect, but those who are broken and recognize that they need a perfect savior. That's who the kingdom of God is for. It's not for perfect people. It's not for people who are just acing every test, right? It's for people who can't and who don't, right? And who recognize they need help. I've used this illustration before. Uh, It was early in the semester, so I don't mind reusing it because I love it. It involves our dog, Coulter, right? If you've been to our house, you know Coulter can drive me crazy sometimes because he loves to sit on our couch. Um, You know, he's always there. But in reality, we all kind of secretly love it because he's a great dog. We love Coulter. We love snuggling with him on the couch. Um, And it's good. But what happens sometimes is Coulter will leave our home, and he'll go outside, and he will find something disgusting to roll in. You know, maybe it's our neighbor's trash or some animal that got hit by a car. I mean, I, I don't know what it is, but he will roll in it, and he smells awful. Well, when he comes home, we still love our dog. Our, our, our feelings towards Coulter haven't changed any. We still love him, but we cannot be near him in the same way. Right? He's not allowed on the couch smelling like that. We don't love him any less, right? But that nearness that we enjoyed, that fellowship that we had before he did that, it's gone. Here's the thing. The only way that we're going to be able to get that back, that nearness, that fellowship that we had before he rolled in the crap or the squirrel, is if he's made clean. But here's the thing. Coulter can't do this on his, by himself. If 
Coulter is going to experience, right? If he's going to enjoy the fellowship that we once had, he needs to be, he needs to be made clean. But he can't do that. He can't cleanse himself. He has to allow us to do that for him. God wants to be reconciled with you. He wants you in. He wants you to experience, right, the fellowship, the nearness that, that you once had. But you've left home, right? And you, have, you are dirty. But God's feelings towards you haven't changed. He still loves you. But the only way that you are going to be able to be near him again is if you allow him to wash you. You cannot cleanse yourself. The doorway into the kingdom is humility. It's recognizing I can't cleanse myself. I need help. I said, right, this is the easiest and the hardest thing to do because it's easy because all you need is need. That's it. It's saying help. That's it, right? It's easy, but that's also, right, incredibly difficult because to admit that you are weak, to admit that you are dirty, to admit I can't cleanse myself, well, shoot, that means that you have to swallow some pride. It means that you're not better than anybody else here, right? All you need is need. For some, this is impossibly difficult, right? And they refuse what is freely offered. But others, and I hope this is true of you, admit that you need cleansing. You go to Jesus for it, right? And you enter in through that low door. There's laughter on the other side, right? Once you've passed through the door of humility, we've asked this question. What is life like on the other side? Yeah, there's feasting and there's laughing. Jesus, again, explained things to us. He explained to us uh, in the story of a good Samaritan that life in his kingdom, right? To enter into God's kingdom through the door of humility is to enter into a life of love, right? Costly love. You, in order for us to love, we can't do that from a distance, but we have to get in uncomfortably close to suffering, right? To not move away from it, but to move towards it. I mean, love, we love writing uh, songs about it and singing about it, but it's one of the hardest things to do, isn't it? To really be committed to somebody, even when it costs us, even when it hurts. Jesus says, this is what it's like to live the Christian life. In the story about an unforgiving servant, Jesus explained the importance of forgiveness. Right, That having been forgiven much, we are to be a forgiving people. And forgiving much too, right? In a story about a bunch of investors, Jesus explained the importance of our work. And then it's not how many talents we've been given that matters, but what we do with them. You are all a talented bunch. God has gifted you and equipped you in many special, unique ways. And there's a diversity of those here in this room, right? What matters is not how much or how little you've been given, but what are you going to do with it? Jesus says there's good work for you to do in the world, right? And he does expect a return on his investment. And a story about a bunch of social workers. Jesus emphasized the importance of caring for the least of these. 
and in a story about a widow, an unjust judge, the importance of prayer and not losing hope. As our sermon series neared its end, uh, and a story about hidden treasure, Jesus explained to us what exactly the kingdom of God is. Right? The kingdom of God being our broken world fully healed. And in large group, and also in Bible study, we imagine what such a world would be like. Do you remember that? A world with no more sickness or sorrow or racism or war or poverty, you know, or pornography. A world full of goodness and beauty, love and truth, right? Jesus explained to us, this is what the kingdom of God is, right? It's our world healed, our world made right, the way things are supposed to be, right? He talked about its value, and he talked about its impact, right, on us and others as we seek it first. And in the stories that you see tonight, the last ones that we're looking at, (coughs) Jesus explains that though the kingdom of God starts off small, and though to your eyes, maybe the eyes of your peers, it may appear that it's not even there at all, right? completely hidden, Jesus wants you to know that it is there. It is present, and it is growing. It's growing even now. Jesus tells you these things. He has told us these things because he wants to engage us, and he wants to uh, explain some things to us. But ultimately, right, he wanted to and he wants to elicit a response, right? He didn't say all these stories just to entertain us, right? Um, he wants to elicit a, a response from you and from me. Uh, as I've thought about this, what is the response uh, that Jesus wants to elicit? If we think big picture, we can think of it in terms of going in and then going back out. Right, that has, in some ways, has been the arc of this entire semester, has it not? We find ourselves on the outside, right, in a broken world, and God leaves his home to meet us there on the outside, to meet us as strangers, and he works very hard, right, to bring us in. But once we've brought in, in, in on the inside, we are clothed, and we are fed, and we are nourished and replenished, but we are not under house arrest. God does not want us to just keep us there, right? He wants to then send us back out. Not kick us out. Send us out, right? To do his work as ambassadors of the kingdom that we now belong to, right? God meeting us on the outside, bringing us in, sending us out, calling us back in, sending us out, right? In and out, in and out. This is the rhythm of the Christian life. I mean, we start off as strangers, but we do not end that way, right? We end children, children ambassadors. Remember what an ambassador is? I think it's a representative of a faraway land, right? Kui Tiankai, I still remember that name. He's the Chinese ambassador to America, right? If you meet Kui, uh, you are meeting um, 
and some, uh, someone who officially represents that place, right? And you get to know, oh, a little bit more of its customs and a little bit more, oh, that's the way they do things over there. Just, he, in some ways, in, in some small ways, he brings China to you. Not in its fullness, but he does, right? By meeting him, you're like, I get a sense of that place. Well, that's what God wants us to be. That people who come into contact with Christians would be like, in meeting you, I'm, I get a sense of what heaven is and is going to be like. You're making that more real to me. We are meant to be Christ's ambassadors. Jesus, bringing us in, sending us out. Come back home, send us out. The rhythm of the Christian life. In and out, right? In and out. Calling us in to cleanse, to heal, to renew, to replenish. And then sending us out like salt and leaven and light to do for others what he has done for us. Right? Leaven, mixing with the other. And what does leaven do? Any bakers here? Yeah, sure. It makes the bread rise. Exactly. Right? Causing it to rise. Lifting it up. Salt. Mixing with the other. To draw out flavor and to prevent against decay. Light. Right? Mixing with the other to banish darkness, to spotlight what is good and beautiful. Look here. (coughs) In and out, in and out. It's the rhythm of the Christian life, friends. We are to go to work outside these walls, right? But we are not to find our rest there. We are to find our rest at home with God now and forever. Y'all, it has been a joy. Uh, it's been a privilege, really, to sit with these stories with you this semester. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I hope you have, too. Um, I've learned a lot from you in talking about them and uh, in wrestling through some of them with you. Um, you've made Jesus more beautiful and believable to me, and I hope he has appears that way to you, too, uh, uh, as a consequence of spending this semester together. He's good. He's worth following, right? Following inside and then following him uh, outside. We're going to continue. We're not going to continue this series in the spring. Like This is the end of our Stories Jesus Fold series, but we are going to continue to hear from him uh, in the spring. And we're going to ask this question, what does it mean to be salt and light? I mean, it really is going to be a theme of our semester looking at the lives of a a man named Daniel and a woman named Esther as they live in exile. They've been ripped from their home, and they're living, they're trying to follow God faithfully in a foreign place, a a place very different from the home that they're used to. Maybe you're like, shoot, that's UVM for me. (laughs) Like, uh, this looks very, very different. I'm I'm not accustomed to this, right? Uh, Daniel and Esther will be friends of yours, and Jesus will too as he talks to us. Uh, as we look at the Sermon on the Mountain and discover more, uh, in some ways, marching orders or how-to manual on what it means to be salt and light. What does that actually look like? To be in the world but not of it, Jesus explains. Okay? So, something to look forward to. Um, 
Thank you. It's been great. I hope you have a fantastic Christmas and, and, and do the best that you can on your finals and then rest. Rest and uh, recuperate, okay? I'm going to pray for us. We'll sing another song. We'll eat some cookies and Chex Mix. All right? <laughs>